Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book One, The Pirate's Plunder by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter Eight, Smuggler's Creek. The sleuths were up early again the next day, determined to find the pirate's lair. They wolfed down a quick breakfast and boarded the Lucky Star once more. They rode up towards the spot Old Peter told them about, timing it carefully so they would reach the opening of the creek in plenty of time for low tide at nine o'clock. The creek wound its way inland towards the north and the water levels were low enough to allow the Lucky Star to glide smoothly into the narrow passage. Red cliffs rose on each side of the creek, but they were almost invisible, covered with the vibrant foliage of the sea forest. Broad, shiny green leaves reached out and brushed the heads of the children as they passed. Feathery fern fronds tickled their cheeks as the creek got narrower and narrower. The light took on a greenish glow and everything felt more hushed. The water was crystal clear and they could see mossy stones and little fish darting between them as they rode steadily along. Occasionally, the peace was broken by the call of a bird high on the cliff tops above. Just when Sam was worrying that the lucky star might struggle if the creek got any narrower, it widened into a pool. Mangroves covered the left side, but on the other, a cliff rose up ahead of them, just as old Pete had described. It looked almost sheer, but when the children looked closer, they could see footholds here and there in its rugged surface. No wonder the smugglers used to use this, remarked Sav, gazing round in astonishment. Nobody would know you were here. It's completely hidden. And I wonder what you can see from the top of that cliff, added Sam, staring hard at it. That direction faces north to the uncharted area. The children gazed up at the blood-red stone which towered above them. Old Pete was right, said Milo. There's no way we could moor the boat on the side of the cliffs. There's nothing to attach her to. Yes, we shall have to tie her up this side, to some of those mangrove roots, suggested Sophie practically. And then we can wade across to the cliff and climb it. It's pretty shallow, said Zelly. Look! She jumped down into the creek. The water only came up to her knees and she waded across to the other side with no trouble at all. Great, cried Sam. Right, you guys, let's get the lucky star tied up and head over. Let's push her under the mangroves just in case anyone nosy comes along, he added. Good job we did come at low tide, remarked Sav. It would be tricky to cross this with the water level much higher. Once safely across the tidal creek, the only way up was to climb. It was hard work. The steep surface made it tricky for them to grasp toe and handholds, and the sun's rays beat down on them relentlessly, making them think longingly of their cool, shaded journey up the creek. Oh, look at the ants, cried Sophie, as a trail of them marched next to her hand. They're ginormous! Zelly, send Anna up ahead to be a scout, called Zav. The little parrots soared over their heads, dipping back down occasionally to give them an encouraging chirrup. I wish I could fly, said Milo longingly as he wiped the sweat from his brow. Almost there, panted Sam, who had nearly reached the top where the stone levelled out again to form a platform overlooking the sea. As each of the sleuths scrambled over the top, they lay panting, gazing at the expanse below them. Wow, 
breathed Sophie, awestruck. The whole bay is spread out, right in front of us. This is a great vantage point, replied Sam. You're hidden from sight but can see everything. Those old smugglers knew a thing or two, agreed Zav. I can see some sort of roof, cried Milo, staring hard into the undergrowth behind them, in the opposite direction to Red Port. Let's explore, Sally suggested. We'd better be careful, Sophie added warningly. The pirates could be there. Yes, we should be as quiet as possible, agreed Sam. Usual formation, sleuths. The children quickly got into single file and slipped quietly into the jungle in the direction of the mysterious roof. As they moved silently into the coolness of the greenery, an eerie quiet seemed to descend. Even the birds stopped singing as the children edged their way further into the jungle. Soon, the dark, vague shape of a building started to emerge through the dimly lit forest. Sam gave a signal for the others to stop and stay where they were while he approached with caution. However, he soon waved them over. The building was in ruins. Its once proud stone walls had half collapsed. There was little left of the roof that Milo had glimpsed and a strangler tree had taken over the remaining stone walls so they were nearly invisible. I think that tree's the only thing holding the walls up, said Sophie. What is this building? wondered Milo. It's an amazing location. It's very big, remarked Zelly. I reckon it's what they used to call a church. You know, like the pictures we've seen in the old books. Yes, agreed Sophie. The people in the old times used to gather in them, didn't they? If it is one of those church things, it hasn't been used for years, commented Zav. Look, there's a track to the side, said Sam, pointing. Let's see where it goes. Oh, we only have a bit of time left, said Sophie, slightly nervously. We won't be able to get back across the creek if we leave it too long. Good point, said Zelly. Let's be quick. They walked along the track and on the other side of the headland, invisible from Sandopolis or Red Port, they saw what seemed to be a rocky island. I've never seen that island before, said Sam. We must investigate. But Sophie put her foot down. We'll have to come back another time, she said firmly. Old Pete said we only had two hours and time is nearly up. We have to get all the way back down that cliff as well. Yeah, you're right, said Sam reluctantly. But this is a fantastic discovery. We must come back. The children chattered non-stop about the secret island they had discovered hidden from view and shared their theories as to smuggler and pirate hideouts. They reached the cliff and made their way down to the creek as quickly as they dared, but as they neared the bottom, it was clear that Sophie had been right to be worried. The tide was rising. It was not only much higher, but swirling currents were moving in the greenish water. It looked much more dangerous than the calm, placid pool they'd crossed with ease only an hour or so earlier. Zelly gulped. "'I don't think I can get across to the Lucky Star,' she said. "'It's too high.' "'Neither can I,' replied Milo and Sophie. "'The girls and Milo were all shorter than Sam and Zav, "'so the water was already up to their waists.' "'Don't panic,' said Sam calmly, though he did look a bit worried. "'I'll swim across with Zav. "'We'll get the lucky star, then pull you up into the boat as we row past.' "'Okay,' agreed Zav, "'but we'll need to move fast. "'That water is rising quickly.' "'Be ready to jump!' 
called Sam over his shoulder as he and Zav half waded, half swam through the increasingly turbulent water over to the mangroves where they'd moored the boat. It was quite a battle to get across and Zav nearly slipped, but the boys managed it, helped by the overhanging roots of the mangrove trees, which they grabbed desperately and hung onto, dragging themselves against the current and pulling themselves up into the lucky star. That current is really strong! shouted Sam urgently to the other three, who were stranded on the opposite bank. Climb a bit higher and get ready to jump. We'll be moving quickly. Don't miss the boat. Ready, called Zav, in position to release the rope tying the lucky star to the shore. After three, shouted Sam. One, two, three, now! Zav released the mooring, and the boat moved quickly away from its mangrove hideaway, propelled by the power of the current and the steadily rising water. Milo, Zellie and Sophie were ready, and as the boat moved past them, they jumped. Zellie and Milo landed with a thump inside the boat, but Sophie had mistimed her jump and, splash, she'd landed in the creek. Sam acted with the speed of lightning. He vaulted over Zellie, who was still on the floor, and dashed to the back of the boat. Milo, you steer, he shouted. Sophie, grab the oar, he yelled to his sister, who was trying desperately to swim after the lucky star. As he shouted this, Sam flung the oar out to her, calling Zav to help him hold the other end. With a burst of effort, Sophie lunged forward, reaching out desperately and clung on to the end of the oar, the rapids of the now swollen creek pushing her this way and that as if she were no more than a rag doll. Grimly determined, Sophie hung on while Zav and Sam pulled the oar back towards the boat. As soon as she was near enough, leaving Zav to hold on to the oar just in case, Sam grasped her arm in a sailor's grip and heaved Sophie back into the lucky star. She collapsed on the deck, coughing up seawater. Told you we needed to get back, she gasped. I'm sorry, Soph, said Sam, giving her a hug. That's what I call a close one, said Zav. Are you OK? I'm OK, said Sophie, recovering as she gratefully sipped the water Milo had passed to her. Great teamwork, Sophie remarked, her eyes regaining their twinkle. It's a relief to know we can deal with an emergency. Yeah, agreed Zellie. It's definitely been an exciting morning. A bit too exciting for me, remarked Sophie dryly, and they all started to laugh. They reached Red Cove without further mishap, Sam taking extra care to sail the lucky star as smoothly as possible. When they arrived back at Breezy Corner, lunch was ready. Steaming platefuls of beans, rice and fresh fish grilled on an open fire was accompanied by avocado salad. It was delicious and the sleuths wolfed it down, even Sophie, who seemed to have recovered very well after her adventure. The sleuths decided a calm afternoon was what was needed after the morning's excitement and decided to search the beach house for anything which might give them any more information or clues. I think there might be some old maps somewhere, Sam remarked. Widow Hanlon looked at them sharply when she overheard what they were talking about, but she didn't seem to object to them studying their parents' old maps and she pointed out the ancient wooden desk where they were kept. The sleuths poured over the yellowing pieces of parchment in the cool of the veranda. There are still so many blank bits, exclaimed Zav in frustration. They've definitely not mapped the whole area properly, said Sam. There must be a reason. Parts of the map are really detailed. Look here at the islands off Sandopolis and all down the coconut coast. Sand Dollar Island, Crocodile Island, Emerald Isle, they're all mapped on here perfectly. Then, as soon as it moves north, nothing. 
Pa has lots of the old maps the sailors used in the old times, remarked Milo, staring intently at the map spread out in front of them. Some of the symbols are the same. What do they mean? asked Zelly. Well, this symbol means low water levels, and this one is a safe channel. I think this sign means a good vantage point, said Milo, pointing at the map. A good vantage point, repeated Zelly. I reckon that's where the ruined building was. I think you're right, exclaimed Zav. Now, if we take that as the ruined building, we can work out the rest of the map. There was a silence as four pairs of eyes roved the parchment eagerly. But there's no island marked on here, said Sam. We definitely saw it, but it's not plotted on the map. Do you think they didn't put it on the charts deliberately to keep it hidden? suggested Milo. Pa says the old sailors were cunning. Maybe they meant to keep the island off any maps. And this area is a great place to hide anything, as the trade winds would blow your ship of stolen cargo straight here, with hardly any navigational difficulties, added Sam. I've had a thought, cried Zelly. The position of the island would also explain what Hector said about that pirate ship disappearing. It didn't disappear. It hid itself around the peninsula, away from prying eyes. There's only one thing for it, said Sam. Now we know it's there. How about sailing round to the island tomorrow at low tide and seeing if we can get to it by boat? Great idea, replied Sav, keen as ever for more exploring. Look out, pirates. The sleuths are coming. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 9, The Hurricane Hole. Want to read along? Super Sleuth's Book 1, The Pirate's Plunder, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time. <laughs>